You know, I love the first verse, so we'll go ahead and read the first one just because it's true and sweet and not too much extra. But we'll read down to the seventh verse of the 107th Psalm to begin with this morning. And there it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say that they are redeemed. Show that they are redeemed. Whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Let's bow our heads together this morning and ask the Lord to bless our lesson. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the word that we've heard thus far this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you can be honored and be magnified and learned more of, Father, as we gather around your word as you have prepared those ones to deliver. And just so you've prepared those ones to receive, Father. And we can be blessed, all of us, and grown and deepened in our faith, Lord, as we consider your word together here. So I pray, Father, that you would help us to be deepened, help us to be strengthened, Father, encouraged as we're taught and as we're considering those things that you have for us, Father. Help us to be mindful always to give you the glory as we consider these things, because you are indeed worthy, Father. Bless us now as we consider these eternal things and apply them to these temporal lives that we have. We bless your name. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, I have, uh, well, I don't have two teenagers in my house anymore. I have one teenager still, according to the letter of the law. She is a teenager yet, but I have two young people in my house, and, and as young people do, they, they make their way through different types of social media, and they see different pop culture references and videos and memes and all of these things. And they come across my, well, they come across my eyes from time to time. And I do, if I'm being completely forthcoming, from time to time, I will scroll through some stupid videos or as I'm looking at the news or looking at whatever there might be uh, that I'm considering on my phone, something might pop up and it looks interesting or entertaining. And after I have vetted the source typically or at least considered the risk of some, opening something that might be you know, rather horrifying in a lot of different ways. There are times when I will find myself looking at stupid videos. Now, you can lose yourself and go down the rabbit hole, you understand, and I don't want to ever let myself do that. But from time to time, all of that just to say, I saw a video lately. I saw a little meme or whatever you want to call it, and it entertained me to a great measure. And it was this little guy, and he was probably four years old, and his name was Mason, I believe, something like It doesn't matter. But anyway, his dad was there, and his dad was looking, presenting. He says, my son Mason, he wants to go swimming. And I told Mason, it's 59 degrees out here, Mason. And it has been for a while, and so the pool, you know, you recognize it's cold. You don't want to go swimming right now. But Mason insists that he wants to swim, and he wants to get in the water. Are you, do you still want to, Mason? And it goes on and on, you know. And Mason's like, yeah, I want to I jump in. And so he's like, all right. And so it very quickly pans over. Mason's got his goggles. Mason has his water wings. Mason has his trunks on. And so <laughs> no toe test, nothing of the sort. I mean, he full-on cannonballs right into the water. 
And man, the kid's a good little swimmer because he went sploosh, swim right to the thing and stood there knee deep in the water. I don't want to swim, you know. And it was, you know, it, it was what it was. And the message was clear. Now, as, as careful as I am to, well, regarding the videos that I look at, I'm also careful about the comments that I look at. But from time to time, I will see the comments on that said video. And so I did because I was curious. Uh, I knew there was going to be a lesson that came out of that. I knew there was, and I went to see what people said. And you know what people said? Man, they pushed back on that guy, on that dad. What a dirtbag he was. Traumatizing that kid. Letting him jump in the water. Do you know how cold that water was? And you had all the medical experts coming in. Experts. And they said, he could have gone in shock. Two minutes inside of the water and your temperature goes down. I took care of hypothermic patients. I knew all about it. I, I'm not unfamiliar with that sort of thing. He went in, he came out. It was instant. <laughs> Dad was there to pull him out if he needed to. All of these things. Uh, all I'm saying is that when they were pushing back, and I was reading these comments, and it went on from traumatizing him, putting him in natural danger, but also traumatizing him and his psyche. And they kept mentioning the betrayal of trust. He betrayed his his son's trust in him to do him good. Listen, saints, getting right to it, man, I entirely disagree. I thought it was exceptional parenting. I mean, I loved it. It was absolutely something that I would have done, have done. I've had it done for myself. I might have told the story from the pulpit, but I didn't feel led to this morning. If you want to ask me why I don't smoke, come see me after, after service. It was exceptional parenting. I'll just, leave it, I'll just leave it at that. And it taught me at a very, very young age I have no interest. Listen, man, that kid spent less than 10 seconds in the water. There was no natural harm. I believe that psychological trauma, I think that's laughable. And in my mind, as far as betrayal of trust goes, how much did he trust his dad in the first place when his dad said, it's cold, my man. It's cold. You don't want to jump in there. Yes, I do. The betrayal of trust, that's just, that, that's a non-starter for me. I'm not, I don't sign off on that at all. He tried to lead the kid in a good direction. You see where I'm going this morning. He tried to lead him in a good direction. And when the kid did not want to be led, he let him make his own choices. There's a difference between leading and letting sometimes. It's important for us to understand when the Lord is leading us and when the Lord is letting us do something and see what the motivation is behind those times. Uh, There's a difference, and that's what we're going to consider this morning. When the Lord is leading and when he might just be letting, and if he's letting us, how come? How come he's letting us do something if it isn't necessarily what he would have for us to do? Uh, It's important for us to understand, and hopefully we'll have some understanding of it when we leave this morning. Now listen, you have to understand, I hope you understand, that God does lead you. God does have the capability of leading us. I, I think I've preached on this subject a dozen times in six going on seven years that I've been here. God leads us, he wants to lead us, and he makes sure that we understand that he will lead us. We'll turn to Luke chapter 12 to begin with. You understand that the Lord is entirely able to speak specific words to you, specific thoughts to you, specific word-for-word statements to you in the moment for you to repeat or to hear at least. Uh, He can do it at his leisure. He can do it audibly. He can do it not audibly, but he can make it absolutely clear. 
Listen, just for the sake of one another. If the Lord has spoken to you, not audibly, but spoken to you that you knew for a fact, the Lord is saying this, this, and this to me. I know it's his voice speaking to my heart, even if not audibly. Would you raise your hand for others? I've heard it. I've heard him speak to my heart so clearly when I wasn't expecting it. And evidently a number of others have as well. Luke chapter 12 and verse 11, this is Jesus speaking to those disciples in preparation for the persecution that they would undoubtedly, knowingly, well, receive uh, in being his disciples. Luke chapter 12 and verse 11, he says, Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now I'm getting ahead of myself and it's not in my notes, but I want to make clear from the outset that he says don't worry about how to speak. Don't worry about what to speak. He doesn't say necessarily don't prepare for those times. Don't prepare for those times when you get up there. He's saying, don't worry about it. And don't sit and think, well, if they say this, then I'll say this. And if they say this, then I'll say this. And what if they say this? And have your mind going spinning, spinning in an unprofitable manner. In the way that my mind can sometimes spin unprofitably. When I sit and worry about things, particularly in those moments, you know, 2.30 in the morning, bang, your eyes open up. And you're like, please, no, don't open your eyes. Just close your eyes. And, you know... (laughs) I'm not going to go get a drink of water. I'm not going to move. I'm just going to lay here and go back to, oh, today's Wednesday. I have this to do and this to do before. Uh, Yeah, my mind can do such things, and I can worry about those things if I allow them to. He says, don't worry about how or what you should answer. But he gives, well, he presents to you, presents to them what their option was. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour. That, that moment, for that instance, in that time, what you ought to say. When you need to be led for a moment, in a moment, about a moment, God will do that. When you need this, He will do that. Make no, make no mistake. Uh, I've told the story, a number of others of my family members have told the story, but when my grandpa was 12 years old, and my dad and my uncle can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to be wrong, but I didn't make sure so they can correct me, but I think I have the gist of it. He was 12 years old. He accepted Jesus at a revival uh, meeting. Came home to his adopted parents. We called them Grandpa Green. And he told him what had happened. Told Grandpa Green what had happened. And, and in that moment when Grandpa was a new believer, young in faith, young in natural, well, age, just a young boy anyway, again, a preteen, He told Grandpa Green what had happened, and without going far into it, Grandpa Green stonewalled him, rejected him, and said, essentially, hogwash. Wasn't interested in hearing that. And, you know, 12 years old, 47 years old, I still get stirred emotionally, and I get a little weepy. 12 years old, I imagine that's exactly what happened to Grandpa. And so he ran out of the house, and he went out by himself, evidently ran into a field, tripped into a little shallow spot, a little dig hole in the ground, fell forward, and cried. And what happened in that moment? I think it was a crossroads moment for him. Brand new believer, 12 years old, looking at a life after having a life of horrifying things before leading up to that moment, had something life-changing, eternity-changing happening to him, and told the one who was put in charge of leading him 
told him what he had experienced, told him what he had found to be true and needed in that moment, in his heart and in his mind, needed in that moment to have this authority figure sign off on it. And again, I believe it was a turning point. I think it was probably a crossroads of sorts for my grandpa. And it was a time of need. And my grandpa's adopted father refused to lead him well in that moment. Refused to guide him when he needed that confirmation. And so when grandpa needed that confirmation and didn't get it from the natural sources, guess what happened? (laughs) The Lord spoke to him at 12 years old. And my memory tells me that he spoke to him audibly. I will never leave you or forsake you. And I believe he even said, not even to the end of the world. Spoke to him because grandpa needed it. He needed to have that. And at that crossroads, he received exactly what the Lord needed or what the Lord determined he needed. He received from the Lord exactly what he knew that he needed. And as a result, that faith was established. He didn't make all the great decisions, all the greatest decisions from that point on. But he became a man of faith and he taught his well, taught his children to be children of faith and so on and so forth. There was a foundation that was established there. God knows the measure of our moments. Uh, that's something that I think to myself quite often. He knows the measure of my moments. He looks at the things that I might consider just everyday, run-of-the-mill, throwaway interactions, you might say. Uh, whether it's with people or just with uh, an individual situation. I've expressed to you the number of times that my patience has been tested when I've dropped coffee filters and I've done this or that or Mabel has done something and, to irritate me or, or things just aren't going quite, quite right. You know how it is. Things can get irritating and start building up. And you're like, what in the world is going on today? And the Lord has checked me in those stupid, silly moments and reminded me... I'm trying to tell you something, you know. I'm going on today, you understand. Sometimes it's just those simple things that he's speaking to us and moving, moving us in the moment. He knows the impact and the potential impact for individual moments that we might just look at as throwaway. He measures our moments, knows the ripples that might come off of that, and he deals with those things accordingly, is willing to do eternal things. That 12-year-old boy lay in that hollow out in the field crying, absolutely of no interest to anybody in the world, perhaps even Grandpa Green, his adopted father, in that moment. And the, the Lord took that moment to talk to him. Because he knew that it was going to affect his children, his children's children, me. And by extension to a measure, look, look what we're doing right now. We're all gathered together and I'm impacting you to some measure right now. Uh, the Lord knows those moments and knows the ripple effects. And I'm appreciative that he takes those moments and man, he'll do something remarkable in that moment if he sees that there is something that could be done in that moment. First Samuel chapter nine seventeen. The Lord's the measure of a number of different moments, and we see it throughout Scripture. Samuel, when it was time for a king to be appointed, as Israel had requested one, not so much requested as demanded, demanded a king, and the Lord said, "Okay." So he sent Samuel to find this one, and look what he does in verse seventeen. Jumping right in the middle of the story here. So when Samuel saw Saul. The Lord said to him, spoke to him, made clear to him, there he is, 
pointed him out, isolated him very clearly, separated him from everyone else, identifying him. This is the one I've sanctified for this position in this spot. There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. It wasn't the first time that he'd been spoken to by the Lord. This one shall reign over my people. Genesis 25, Rebecca. Rebecca was, uh, well, she needed reassurance, didn't she? When even in the womb, there was some contention going on between Jacob and Esau. During this troubling pregnancy, verse 22 of Genesis 25. But the children struggled together within her, and she says, If it is all well, or if it be so, in the King James Version, why am I this way? Why am I thus? Why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and he recognized the measure of that moment then. He recognized what she needed. She recognized what we would need as we consider what was going on even before those two came forth. That the Lord had a plan, that the Lord had an understanding, that the Lord had a a lineage set up, and that even before they were even born and knew each other, these ones were combating each other all kinds of different shades of of meaning and figurative there's old test or old creation new creation being presented here a number of different things the lord recognized the moment measured it said this is going to have ripples and he spoke to her spoke to her and the lord said to her two nations are in your womb that's a that's just a heavy statement in and of itself Two peoples shall be separated from your body one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. He was getting her ready, and anyone who rec- understood the situation, and we who study that situation, getting them ready that, well, to recognize that he understood. He knew what was going on, and this is what's happening here. God leads. God speaks in the moment as he sees need in the moment. Uh, giving the very words that we need to speak, perhaps, but certainly the very words that we need to hear. My grandpa needed to hear that in that time. Samuel needed to hear that. There he is. Rebecca needed to hear that in the moment. It is as I've told you. This is what's happening with you. One more, one more example we can look at in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. You know what Acts chapter 9 is, perhaps. It's that account of Saul of Tarsus. That one breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord was going to Damascus to prosecute and persecute those ones, those children of God there. He was knocked to the ground when he saw a bright light. Jesus spoke to him. Scotty mentioned it this morning during Sunday school. Uh, The Lord told him, it's difficult. It's difficult to kick against the goads. You're trying. You're trying to push back. And so the Lord uh, stopped him where he was at, dropped him on the ground, recognized it as a, well, a moment to be measured and that there were a number of ripples that were, well, in effect here. Took him to a house where he was fasting there for three days as he was blind and just sitting and perhaps pondering things, meditating on things. And I was sitting here thinking to myself as I was getting this together and preparing it and looking at the different things that the Lord's been kind of opening up. And I was thinking to myself, particularly in light of last week's lesson when we were talking about revenge and vengeance and naturally speaking, what we might want, what we might want to see take place. And this man who was out here breathing threats and murder and I think I even said, were it left to my flesh, and I had the power of God, when he was standing there, allowing these ones to stone Stephen, I would have had some, I would have dispensed justice on Saul right, right in the moment, naturally speaking, again. So we see him. 
Just dumbfounded for three days. Just blind, not eating, not drinking. Man, that looks like revenge, doesn't it? Man, that's sweet. That's a sweet little moment. You know, and your flesh would celebrate that. And instead, God, well, God went out to reach him. Man, what a, what a good father we have, uh, knowing what's needed there. God assigned a man to go speak to that dirt bag. That's all of Tarsus was reputed to be. In Acts chapter 9, verse 13. Then Ananias said, really? <laughs> he said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Now, he could have said to, to the Lord, are you sure about this? Are you serious about this? You can't be serious about this. He, I don't feel like Ananias was pushing back on him here. I don't feel like he was being uh, rebellious or anything of the sort. I think that there are times when the Lord speaks to us exactly what we need to hear. And maybe we need to hear it again. Right? Gideon, put out the fleece. Right? Lord, can you wet that fleece and keep everything dry all around it? Just so I know. Sure. Squish, squish, wet fleece. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Except this time, can you wet everything around it and leave that dry? No squish. You know, the fleece was dry. Sometimes we need reassurance. Sometimes in those moments where it's a crossroads for us of sorts. Paul was at a crossroads. Ananias seems was at a bit of a crossroads here. And so he wanted to say, hey, listen, I don't want to get this wrong. Ah, I know who this man is. And so, what would I say to someone in that circumstance? What would I say to Saul, knowing that he wanted to kill everybody? Now he's had a change of heart and he just hasn't eaten for three days and he's blind. What's going on in his head? What would I say in that circumstance, particularly if I'm left to my own devices? I just told you I'm a vengeance-filled man and I would have smoked him in the first place. Maybe I would have gone up and said, how's it feel, Saul? Yeah, who's, who's laughing now? You know, I don't think that I would do that. But I probably wouldn't say the right thing. I probably wouldn't go up and, well, I wouldn't do as the Lord said. But the Lord said to him in verse 15, go, for he is a vessel. <laughs> what? A vessel? He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him many, how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. For real? <laughs> Maybe that's when I would have said, hmm, that can't be. No, Ananias went his way and entered into the house. God led him in the moment with words for the moment. And Ananias listened in that moment and he went. And the rest, as we understand, is church history. Paul heard it. He baptized brother Saul. And, well, he was filled with the Spirit, we understand and we know, and he went on from there to become, well, as mighty a man of God as there ever was, not named Jesus, as I always say. God led him. God told Ananias, especially, specifically in that moment, spoke to his heart, here's what I have for you to say. You go tell Saul this, and he can do the same for you, child of God. If you need something in a moment, if it is a moment that the Lord has measured there needs to be this said, something spoken to this one, whether he's called you to speak those words or not. This one needs to hear this in this moment. He absolutely will lead you, will speak to you, will let you know precisely 
what you need. Uh, back in the, I don't even know if it was as far back as the 90s, but you remember the old days? Seeing on the TV about those televangelists, so-called preachers, and someone would come up on the, someone would come up on the stage and they'd say, uh, I've, I've had problems with this for all of my life. And the guy would say, well, this is your problem. And, and tell the whole history. That preacher would tell the whole history of that person before they elaborate any details. And then would heal them on the spot. And then they found out. I mean, you can even see certain videos here and there where it came over the speaker. The guy had an earpiece. They had taken prayer requests from different people. And someone was piping it in. Just essentially a teleprompter like the newscaster. Tonight, uh, there has been a burglary that took place. At, you know, there's hearing, having everything piped right in. God doesn't need that. God doesn't play tricks. God doesn't hear little, little details. He knows all the details before we have told anything. He's not a trickster. He's not, he's not one that, well, he doesn't need to cheat or anything. You don't need an earpiece. You just need the Holy Spirit and to listen to him. That's all you need to do, and he will speak to you precisely what you need to know. And you can take it to the bank that it's coming from the Almighty God when he does it. Understand that. Uh, he'll lead you exactly for your moment. Now, that being said, we don't always, well, we don't always need to be surprised by these words that were spelled out for us, these specific, these specific things, this specific statement, we don't always need to look for that to be the case. It's oftentimes what we want. Lord, tell me in this situation what I need to do, what I need to say, what direction I need to walk, and what speed I need to walk, what I need to do when I get there, etc., etc., etc. Oftentimes we want Him to do that. We don't need to be receiving that for the vast majority of the time. That isn't what our experience needs to be with him for the vast majority of our lives, I would say. Uh, we want to hear God's leading, and we want to be directed. The fact of the matter is, is we all have been. We have been led by God. We, we have been absolutely told and directed in the will of God. Turn to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. You might recall back in, I think it was May, it was late, late spring, early summer, a little plane went down in the Amazon rainforest. And whether it was in Colombia or not, it was a bunch of, it was a Colombian family. Colombia, South America, a Colombian family went down into the rainforest. It killed mom, I believe. Uh, I think it was just mom. But there were a number of kids who survived the wreck, four of them, 13 years old, 9 years old, 4 years old, 11 months old. And they survived the wreck, but here they were in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. And they, well, if you're not familiar with the Amazon rainforest, it's not, you know, we have woods around here, and we have the Ozarks and all of that sort of thing. It's not the Amazon, it's not the Amazon. Okay, there are plants that are trying to kill you in the Amazon rainforest, as well as the animals. Then there are just the elements and that sort of thing. These kids survived 40 days. 40 days in the Amazon rainforest. There are, again, plants and animals out there trying to kill them. Uh, the elements, it just the, the likelihood of them surviving it was very, very small. Um, but they, they did. How? How did they survive 40 days in the Amazon rainforest? I like to think that I'm semi-capable. I wouldn't last a week, I think. 
I really don't. And 40 days, I mean, without good water and without food, there's a good chance I'm going to perish anyway just from that, let alone all of those other things that are wanting to kill you. How did these do it, a 13-year-old being the oldest one of them? Well, it turns out once they found them and they they did all the research and, and looked things up, their parents, from the time they were very small, took them out into the Amazon, out in the rainforest, and taught them, this is food, this isn't food, this will kill you. This is how to avoid this animal. This is where to find this animal. This is how to make shelter. Their grandparents took them out into the Amazon and taught them the same thing. And from the time that they were young, they heard how to survive in the rainforest, right? So when the plane goes down and they're left to themselves, well, that 13-year-old led those ones and helped them to remember what to eat, what not to eat, where to sit, where to not go into because of the dangers. They were well led by their elders. How? Because they were well learned by their elders. Okay? Well led oftentimes is well learned. Yeah? They led them. This is how you survive. Should this ever happen? They never expected they were going to go down in a plane, I would imagine. But simple practical understanding, simple practical education sometimes is simple practical survival for them. And that's what they had. Are you well learned, child of God? By your own elders as these ones were? Are you well learned? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about him. Has he taught you and led you by learning you in the things that are essential for survival? Uh, The correct answer would be you can be. I assume that you have, but just in case, you can be. Proverbs 4, verse 10. Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. Saints, first off, if you hear his sayings and he is your father, the years of your life are eternal. (laughs) That's, That's where it starts. This is speaking to you. The years of your life are eternal if you have heard any of the beginning of his wisdom. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. If you listen to what I say, this has a natural application, but of course it has a spiritual application. If you listen to what our Father, the instructor, the the overall authority, if he tells us, teaches us, you listen to him, you'll survive that jungle that we live in day after day after day after day. Being led of the Lord doesn't require us to wait for that moment when catastrophe happens. Say, okay, Lord, I'm I'm ready to hear exactly what you have for me to say. I'm coming to you in faith. Again, he can give it to you. But he has already given to you so much of what we already need. He intends to lay that truth on you step by step. We consider this passage often. Precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. The Spirit who can give you new words to hear, new specific words to state in a moment, for a moment, can also teach you to apply what you already know, what you've already learned to a situation without ever saying a word to you in that moment. Do you see what I'm saying? How do you encounter a a situation comes up? A situation comes up and, and, and you've never encountered this before, but it looks so much like what Paul encountered, what Peter was dealing with, what Hannah was dealing with. You know, I don't want to get too personal here. There are women who want to be mothers. Let me just put it that way. Women who want to be mothers can't be a mother. Do you suppose they 
Look at Hannah. Do you suppose that's not one of the first places they go to? And, and see what happened in that specific moment? If you hadn't studied 1 Samuel for yourself, or at least looked in that, you wouldn't have that understanding, that foundation. But there's peace that comes, even in that very specific type of situation, by just recognizing, you know what, Hannah was barren, and she was barren for a reason. And she was, her womb was open for a reason, and the Lord worked in it. Either way, the Lord works, and you can find peace in that. You see what I'm saying? Lord, I can't have children. Tell me exactly right now what I'm supposed to do. I've already told you. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's sometimes that simple. He teaches you. The Spirit, the same Spirit that gives you words in a moment, gives you the wisdom to draw from what you know. Even if you don't, even if you don't remember having ever heard something. How many of you have experienced that? Man, why? I keep thinking about this. This saying, this certain passage, I don't even know that I've ever read this, but it's cycling in my mind. That's the Spirit drawing up from inside this gray matter sometimes, or from your heart something that the Lord has brought across your eyes at some point. He can do that. He can elicit that and draw that out. That's why we learn. That's why we study. Ah, the Spirit doesn't have to just wow you and knock you over with something remarkable and impressive and and sprayed across the sky he can do something remarkable impressive and pull something from your heart that you've invested your time in up to that point saints we're capable of being led daily but we're also capable of being led daily by what we've known for years if you have known that for years if you have invested that time the word makes it simple sometimes if not easy the word makes it simple for us can I give you just some simple things? Simple things that you can have been led in. You can consider yourself. I've been led of the Lord because he says this, flee youthful lusts. I'm not even going to give you the scripture citation, but all of these are scripture. Flee youthful lusts. Is that a leading of the Lord? Yes, it sure is. I am leading you. Come this way. Maybe I'm not telling you this in the moment, but the understanding is there and the spirit can quicken you in the moment to recognize this is something that I find myself drawn to this. I'm going that direction. That's leading. That's leading, saints. Flee fornication. Consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. That's leading. He's drawing us in a direction. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter to them. Is that leading? Yes, it is. It's not a place that I would go necessarily all the time. That's just how it is, naturally speaking. By the same token, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Leading. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which, we, which you have received from us. And I could go on and on and on. Pieces of Scripture, pieces of the Lord's teaching, where He's leading, even if He's not saying it even if he's not speaking it in the moment impressively judah and i stood by yesterday at the kansas city marathon took place i had intended to run it didn't instead i volunteered and i felt horrible (laughs) because once you hit a certain time we were sitting right at the split where the half marathon goes this way the full marathon goes this way at 10 30 there was a time cut off anyone else who comes after that they shut off the course broke down the cones Anyone else who has a blue bib for the whole marathon and they come this direction, they want to go that way, well, they don't have the cones anymore. 
And they don't have, well, monitors on the route. It stops for them because they were going too slow. Man, you know, Judah and I kind of sat there and felt sad because sure enough, man, here come some people who are rather old, people who are not in good shape, but still wanted to give it a go. Sure enough, this family sat and waited for this elderly woman who was coming way behind everybody else, and the course was stopped. You know, the leading was gone. You see what I'm saying? They shut down everything, and she was too late to get there, to, to follow the rest of the pack, to follow the police escorts, to follow all of those different things. It was done. It was, she was too slow. Sometimes God's people forego the leading that has been established for so long because you're just too slow getting there. You're just not, you're not, well, we're not in a hurry to go find it. Some of the very answers to the issues that, well, that God's people have. I'm looking for the leading of the Lord in this. I really want him to speak to me about this situation. It's right here, man. I mean, you, you have to understand. Have you read this passage or that passage? Each of these statements that I read to you are God's leading for us. See support for each one of them all throughout Scripture. And each one of these things and those things that the Lord has given to us, we should learn these things, handle these things, apply these things, become familiar with these things. Just as those kids who got dropped into a jungle. Were they scared? Absolutely they were. But evidently they were quite confident because they had been well taught, well learned, and as a result they were well led. To be well learned is to be well led, child of God. You've been led of the Lord. You have been in a number of different things. Do we sometimes need a moment? Do we sometimes come to a crossroads where the Lord measures that moment and says, I need to give her something for now? Yes, absolutely. But do not be surprised in those times if he doesn't say, hey, remember Isaiah 53, 6. Don't be surprised if he, hasn't brought, if he doesn't bring something to you that you've already learned. Now, the sad part is, while I believe there should be joy in considering that we are led of the Lord and learned of the Lord, the sad part is that our flesh doesn't want to receive that. Our flesh doesn't want to be learned in in Scripture. Our flesh doesn't want to be even led by the Lord. You know, they're constantly conflicting with each other, contentious with each other, our flesh and our spirit. Mason sat there and told his dad, I want to jump in the pool. No, you don't, son, you don't. You don't want to do this, I assure you. Oh, yes, I do. All right. Sometimes we want, we want the Lord just to let us do what we want. I've heard different testimonies from different individuals who said that, well, they perhaps even looked up at the Lord and said, Lord, leave me alone. I've heard different ones say just about those exact words. Leave me alone because of the conviction that we spoke of here recently. The conviction can be weighing on you and and it feels like he's poking you and jabbing you and making all the things that you want to do seem so unfun, seem so un... Just, yeah, we can ask him to leave us alone. Mason wanted him just to let him do whatever he wanted. Come on, Dad, let me just jump in. I've been guilty of that with the Lord where I just wanted him just to let me do what I wanted to do. I didn't necessarily say, leave me alone. But I worked my way around it. You people who work in IT, you know that there are such things as workarounds, right? I can't do what the software says I should do. It's not allowing me to do what I know that I can, so I'll go this way. 
I'll circumvent this hindrance or that, that rule or this. Uh, I'm just going to work around. We have spiritual workarounds when we want to do something that the Lord has led us against doing. Or if we don't want to do something the Lord has led us to do, Jonah. We have workarounds. Sometimes it's just a matter of not going to do it. I'm getting in the boat and going that way. That's a workaround, right? We do such things. Uh, it's rather popular these days. Have you heard people talk about deconstructing their faith? Man, it's just, it's the buzzword for, you know, uh, there's just kind of a, well, there's just a growing contingent of God's people who, well, they're talking about deconstructing their faith. And oftentimes they say, well, I just started to question. I just, start, and I'm, I am kind of mocking them, and I apologize for this, kind of, but they say, I just started to question what it was that I believed and why I believed it. And so, you know, I looked at what, I, and I thought, why, why do I believe this? Why am I keeping myself inside of this framework? Who am I to understand the Bible? Who am I to say that the Bible says this? And so I just deconstructed my faith, and I dismantled this and that, and this, this whole structure that I have built up, this framework of limitations. I've heard all of these, all of this terminology. I just deconstructed this because, you know what, there's just a limited understanding there. And I just don't think that we can really understand what this is. And what I have found, as I've considered these ones and their stories of their deconstruction and their lives that are exhibited as a result of it, is that oftentimes this deconstruction comes very conveniently when they fall for somebody else's husband. Or they find themselves defiled by something and found out for that defilement. Then all of a sudden, it's, wait, wait, I'm just deconstructing this whole faith thing because, you know, I don't think that when God said, flee youthful lusts, or when God said, do this and that, he, he didn't really mean this. You have to understand the context and the cultural history and all of these things. Oftentimes, it's simply because they want something else, and the Bible is so clear in certain things. The Bible is so clear in certain things, and it says, no, and we say, we want this. It's time to deconstruct this faith. Oftentimes you find these people wrecked and they want so badly to reconstruct their faith. So badly they are trying to reconstruct and they've caused themselves this whole wake of damage behind themselves. There are a number of different testimonies that are there. A number of different things that haven't yet been resolved, but you can see the evidence that's present there. Uh, it's deconstruction. One of those ways. One of those ways that we try to work around the leading of the Lord. Another, another way that we can do it that's not, perhaps not so drastic, perhaps not so evident. Wow, man, this guy is pushing back on things. Well, one of the ways we can do it is to simply decide what God's leading is for us. And what do I mean by deciding his lead for us? Well, man, this just, this fell into my lap. This opportunity. It must be God's will. It must be. Well, it turns out you really, really want this. You really want this. And the falling into your lap was you're grabbing this, tying titanium cords around it and clutching onto this thing. Fell into my lap, right? It fell into my lap. I want this so badly, Lord. I'm just trusting you just to stop me if it's not your will. I, you know, I, I, just stop me, Lord. I, I, I don't hear what you, I don't hear anything from you. So if I'm not supposed to do this, just stop me, Lord. Listen, I'm not trying to mock. I'm trying to present exactly what we say, what children of God say. 
I've done the same exact thing. Decided what the Lord had for me to do. Decided for myself. Stop me, Lord, if you don't want this. And if we proceed, push past all the roadblocks that pop up. All of the things that trip us. And man, this has been a struggle, but God wants this. You know, so you punch right through this and get this out of my way. And you get to the end of it. And I have this. It must have been God's will. It was such a struggle. Amos 2.4 says this. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah and for four I will not turn away its punishment, because they have despised the law of the Lord and have not kept His commandments. Their lies lead them astray, lies which their fathers followed. Isaiah 44 speaks similar. It speaks to that heart that is going to deceive itself. He feeds on ashes. A deceived heart has turned him aside. And he cannot deliver his soul nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Listen, saints, I'm not trying to just, again, mock and make fun. But when you look at things just for what they are when we do such things, and I make myself look foolish like I'm (laughs) clawing my way to the end, it's what we do oftentimes if we're not careful. We might just be more subtle about it. We might not be so theatric about it. But it's what, what we do. How many times did the Lord hinder Israel, punish Judah, deliverance, repentance, deliverance, and then fall back into it? Here comes the deliverer after they cried back out. Deliverer comes, repentance, fall back into it. How many times did the Lord hinder them and tell them, this is my will for you? I've already told you. You don't need specific for the moment words. You don't need. I presented to you by a man named Moses very clearly. Come up out of Egypt. Go into the promised land by Moses' words, by Joshua's words as they went in. Let go of those things that are there. And occupy yourself in the way that I have laid out for you. All will be well for you. All will be well. Oh, but, you know, we, we want to show brotherhood. We want to show fellowship. We want to show all these things. It doesn't serve God's people well to tell themselves what they want to hear. It doesn't serve us well to decide what God's will is and, you know, make it what we want it to be. It doesn't serve us well to decide that since He lets us do something, it must be His will. It doesn't serve us well to deconstruct what has been proven time and time again, and do something different. Saints, sometimes when we determine what the will of God is, even though He has led us, when we look at Scripture and see what it tells us, tells us clearly where there is no argument, there is no right justified pushback on that. And if if we keep on pushing that way, sometimes the Lord says, you want to jump in the pool? Jump in the pool. And sometimes he says, everybody, watch. Mason's jumping in the pool. Sometimes he does that. Not to embarrass you. Not to traumatize you. Not to betray your trust in him, but to demonstrate you don't have trust in him. Jump in the pool. And maybe then you'll reestablish your faith in me that I was right in the first place. And you get out of the pool and say, I don't want to swim anymore. I don't want to swim anymore. And guess who's waiting there? 
Gosh, those, those people who said, what a crummy dad. I can't believe he did that. Dad was waiting there with a towel, a little cup of hot cocoa. Take him in there, hugging him up. It's cold, right, bub? It was cold, wasn't it? You don't want to be there. And the kid could have gone, <laughs> or the kid could have said, thanks, dad. Thanks, dad. I didn't see what the outcome was. But we can take that illustration and put it into our own lives, can't we? Man, we've jumped in the pool sometimes. Man, I have no interest, man. The cold pools, no thanks. No interest in it. There are a number of mistakes I've made, a number of mistakes you've made. Yet the Lord said, okay, I'll let you do it. And we should by this time say, he was right. He was right. And my family loves to say, you were, you were right. I was just less right. That, they say that typically. There's no place... No place where we look into the eyes of the Lord and say, you were right, I was just less right. No, you were right. I was wrong. 100% I was off. And we trust Him. He might just let you do something, not because He doesn't care, not because He doesn't want to traumatize, or because He wants to traumatize you, rather. Not because He isn't a good father, but because... Well, his people need to feel it sometimes. Back to our opening passage there. There's this Jamaican saying that I heard that I thought was fantastic. He who won't hear must feel. (laughs) I think that's brilliant. It's true. He who won't hear must feel. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Have you been redeemed of the Lord? Yes. Yes, you have if you've believed in him. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He has delivered you from Well, certain death, spiritual death, and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. This is where we were. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them, not knowing anything. Then then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. He might tell his child in a moment, specifically, to let something go or do something else. And they choose to swim. He'll make his word available to us for years and generations. I mean, some of us have had literally the word presented to us for generations. And we have our minds set on something else. And why can't I do this? Why? Everyone else thinks this, does this, wants this chooses this why can't i so they make it so and they parachute into a jungle with no appreciation of what's awaiting them saints we were already lost at one point we don't have to pretend to be so we were already ignorant and uneducated at some point in our lives we don't have to pretend to be so now and if we are indeed somewhat uneducated unlearned in the things that we should know we don't have to remain so child of god Jeremiah 2.17, have you not brought this on yourself, he said? He told, he told uh, those people of Israel, told them, have you not brought this on yourself and that you've forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way? But just like that good dad, Mason's dad, it doesn't stop there in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31.9, they shall come with weeping. And with supplications I will lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way in which they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Saints, 
consider. It's good to stop and consider at times. Is the Lord leading me in this? And the things that I'm doing and the decisions that I'm making, is the Lord leading me or is he letting me? Is he letting me do this? And if so, why is he letting me? Is it because he literally is, I'm giving you the liberty to do this. Make a good practical decision based on the understanding that you have. Based on the good faith that we have between ourselves as father and son or father and daughter. Am I allowing you to make good decisions for yourself based on your education and your understanding? Or am I letting you do something because you want to jump into that pool despite my saying, it's cold in there, it's no good for you. Consider if he is leading you or letting you. He is willing to lead you in the present, in the instant, in the measured moments that he has considered of your life. He knows the measure of those things and he's interested in leading you in the ongoing things. Precept upon precept upon precept upon precept so that when those times come, you'll be ready for those things. Saints, listen to him. When he leads you, listen to him. And when he lets you do something, consider why he's letting you do that. And trust him to lead you. To know if you're doing something incorrect. To know if you're doing something based on your own thoughts, on your flesh. Listen to what he's trying to tell you and he will lead you in the proper way. He's leading you to a city of eternity, man, of of glory and riches and all of those things. Let him lead. Always let him lead. Let's bow our heads together once again, closing. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that the God of all things, the Almighty God, does indeed set out a course for each one of his children. Father, you've laid out to us the foundation and the structure that is your word. You've laid out to us the tenets and the precepts and the line after line, Lord, of good things, of good instruction that we can lay hold of and know and take for ourselves. And Lord, in those times when we need something more, Father, you are so good, so willing, Father, so merciful to speak to us as individuals, even in our singular moment, Father, our individual moment, you can do those things as well. And Father, help us to listen to those things, Lord. Help us not to work around, Father, your will and try to make things our own way. Help us to trust you, Father, because your way is good. Your thoughts, your heart, your mind is so far above ours. Help us to trust those things. Give everything over to you. Bless your people this morning, Father. Guide us and direct us and help us to be willing to be led. For your glory, for our blessing and our abundance, I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.